The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. It's just generally a pleasure. I'm in a good mood. Life is good. Let's bring out our co-host, producer, Lauren. How are you? Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing great. As aforementioned, I'm in a very, very good mood, and I want to, like, Run through the reasons, okay? I was going to say, do tell. Why? All right. So first off, right off the back, really excited for our guest. One of my favorite people in the entertainment business. Uh, they go way back. They are awesome. Bill, down upright, Bolden, joining us. Bill's been a, a loyalist of the Break the Business program for a long time. One of the very first guests we've had. I am such a fan of all of Bill's music projects. Bill does these really cool ambitious projects really groundbreaking stuff also an amazing dj producer great entrepreneur so many things to like about bill and i know he's going to have a lot of great insight to share with the viewers and listeners so excited for that so right off the bat bill is great excited for that so right right there already a good start second of all because we're not done yet i'm just i'm generally excited and i don't know if it's sort of showing but uh, it is Star Trek season for me. <gasps> Tomorrow, as we record this episode, season two of Star Trek Picard premieres Ooh. on Paramount+. Plus. Now, I heard from one of your students that you did like a Star Trek day. Has that happened yet? Yes. Star Trek. Oh, okay. th I, I, I thank you very much for bringing this up. Yes. Ooh. So I teach an ethics class at Doral College and... For the last 10 years that I've been teaching this class at the college, I have what is called Star Trek Day, where I dedicate <laughs> a whole day to teaching ethics using Star Trek, because I think Star Trek is the best ethics teacher. I am still trying to convince the dean of my college <laughs> to let me teach a whole ethics class using nothing but Star Trek episodes. But so far, I got them to agree to let me do it for one day. And I go all out for Star Trek Day. Like, I, I wear a Star Trek uniform. I have a Star Trek background. It's got, like, a whole production behind it. How did it. I not know you have a Star Trek uniform? It's I, I, I do what, indeed. Is it, like, the red one? Is it, it, it is. It's the red It's the red Star Trek <laughs> captain's uniform. Nice. And so I'm ex and, and so I was excited to bust it out because it was Star Trek Day, my ethics class. And I'm excited about Star Trek. Uh, for tomorrow, because Star okay. Trek Picard premieres, and so I'm in a really, really good mood. And I know what people are thinking, right? Like, oh, God, is Ryan going to do something really stupid, like bust out a Star Trek uniform and play some Star Trek music when he's supposed to be hosting his podcast and just turn this whole thing to a Star Trek mess instead of staying on topic? And I'm here to, sh and, you know, let it be clear. I'm a professional, all right? Slam Radio and the podcast platforms and everything else, they don't have me on to talk Star Trek. They want to hear about entertainment business and empowering any creators. So I'm not going to let my love for Star Trek just bleed into this program and annoy everybody, okay? I don't know about anybody else, but I think the viewers would like to see you all dolled up. That that might be fun. At least think, for me, you, you think fun. they'd want to? You, you you really think, Lauren? <laughs> you really think that they're going to want to like see me in some stupid Star Trek uniform with like the background and the music playing? I'm saying I would. I, I I don't actually know what any of them want, but uh, if I had that option, yes, I I vote always for costumes. All right. Well, you know what? Then I think that's what we're gonna do. Is that oh an no! Yes. Oh, oh we're God, doing so it. We're. It's happening. How are you? It's happening. Oh, what oh. happened to my background? Oh! How did He's I got the uniform on. No! Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Oh! Okay, Star Trek Picard season two. Oh my gosh! Okay. Premieres tomorrow as I record this. <laughs> I 
Okay, no joke, I did not see that coming. And that was amazing. Yes! Oh, God, I was so, <laughs> I so thought for sure you were going to know what I was up to. Because, like, the, oh. the red trim of my Star Trek outfit was, like, peeking through the jacket. Oh, and, man. And, and I thought maybe you were wondering, like, why is Ryan wearing a jacket? He's indoors recording a podcast. I feel like I should have gotten fair notice because I, I would love to wear a costume if I had said option. I didn't even bother with the background today. This could have oh, been a man. team. This could have been a tandem costume. Like you could have had your Star Trek uniform too to celebrate Star Trek Picard coming out. Ugh. Now I need to get one. But yes. Yes. This thing is. By the way, like <laughs> I'm a grown man. All right, I am a grown man with a mortgage. I pay taxes, and I really love dressing up like a Star Trek person. This Heck is. Yeah. I'm so giddy. Okay, so I have to get a costume based on the new show. So I'll have to tune in tomorrow just so that I can see what they're wearing so that I can get a new costume. Yeah. All right, well, look, I think you should. I think if we're going to celebrate <laughs> Star Trek, we should do it right. Now, let me ask you this, okay? Okay. Do I keep the Star Trek motif for the rest of the show? Do we keep the Starship Enterprise background behind me? Do I change out of this uniform? Because here's what I'm afraid of, all right? I, I, I'm, the fear I have, like, I love wearing this uniform. I would, like, wear this as, like, pajamas if I could. My fear is that this is going to be the week where one of us says something, like, really super important and poignant <laughs> that will then get blasted all over social media. I'm going to make this grand statement about the entertainment industry that's going to be all over Twitter. I'm going to be dressed like Jean-Luc Picard. That is my fear. And why is that a fear? You know, because I feel like a lot of poignant things were said on the show, so it would fit, like, right in, you know? It's it's not like you're in a clown costume or something. Like, a Federation officer. Yeah. Right, I you mean, know what? We, could, we could make a middle ground. Like, we'll go back to a neutral background, but I, I don't think you should lose the uniform just because, you know, it's like a giant pajama that you're wearing to uh, invite us all into your world. <laughs> I think it's funnier if I have the neutral background because then it makes less sense why I'm wearing this uniform. So, And then people who tune in later have to figure it out. They're like, wait, is that a Star Trek uniform? Because your, <laughs> your microphone like blocks your little beep, beep, beep thing. That's true. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, Starfleet badge is kind of – okay, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy about Bill showing up because I love Bill. And I'm happy that Star Trek Picard's coming back because I love Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Here's the one thing I'm the only thing that's making me sad this week, Lauren. Is Patrick Stewart in it? I'm sorry, I missed that piece. It's called Star Trek Picard, Lauren. I know, but they could have let somebody else play it. They do that. Like there was a new Spock. I mean, why not? No, this is this is like this is a this is Jean-Luc Picard Sir playing. Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm sorry. Yes. He earned But he's that. you know, he's an old man now on this show. Like he's not in command of the Enterprise anymore. An, an old man tending to his grapes in his vineyard. Oh, and yeah. it's it's wonderful. And we all need to appreciate just how great it is to have him back, you know, one more time playing this role. Because, I mean, he, he's such a treasure to me. Like, I, I, I mean, he's my favorite actor just from what he does in this role. And I get, like, my heart stops anytime he's trending on Twitter. Like, when I see okay. the trending list and I see Patrick Stewart, I'm like, oh, God, no. I assume the worst. Oh, and I no. get so sad. Yeah. And then it's always Terrible. just like, oh, no, look at this cute picture of Patrick Stewart, like, sn smelling a flower or something. Well, anyway. And he's, like, a legit, like, Shakespearean actor, mm -hmm. like, stage actor. Like, he's got a, a strong theatrical history that's not just like, I played something on Star Trek. I had the pleasure of seeing him on Broadway opposite <gasps> Ian McKellen in Waiting for Godot. Nice. That was fun. Um and the play was weird, and it didn't make any sense, but I was really happy to see the two of them together. I was like, I'll watch you guys do anything, even this play that I don't understand. I met him um, in New York after one of his Broadway shows, and he is just the nicest guy. I'm sure. And that makes me happy to know, because if he was, like, a jerk secretly, that would break my heart. But, no, I've heard he's, he's like, a wonderful Super human being. Super nice, yeah. All right. Um, I should mention there's only one piece of sad podcast news that I have to share. So good news, Bill Bolden is joining us. Good news, Star Trek Picard season two premieres tomorrow, and so I'm wearing my Star Trek uniform. Only piece of bad news related to this podcast, Ted Deutsch, our favorite congressman, right? Just no. number one congressman Hall of Fame. We all agree that we loved him because he supports indie artists and puppies is retiring. He will not be seeking re-election this year. He wasn't even that old. Like, he was super young. 
He's so he probably, just quit on us? He was like, meh. He is going to become the head of the American Jewish Committee, which s- sounds pretty important. Yeah. But it breaks my heart because, like, I mean, we did a whole, like, 10 minutes on, like, oh, my God, we have an Ind artist advocate in advocate. Congress. Who's he's sponsoring all this. You know, he sponsors all this great legislation and everything, and now and, and now we're gonna lose him. Breaks my heart. I wish him well, but yeah, we, we lost our we lost our friend in Congress. I, I feel like he needs to train his um his person who comes after him. What are those people called? Um, successor. Successor. There we go. <laughs> he <laughs> he needs to train them. Like anybody who leaves their position, who believes in what they do, do make sure that somebody else is carrying on that legacy. Like. He is supporting indie artists and musicians and all of these kinds of things that we absolutely love. I am making a, a you know, campaign to him that if you're going to step down, let's uh, make sure that your campaign leaves somebody who still cares because there aren't many. I'm reading between the lines of what you're saying here. And <laughs> what I am what I'm hearing and is if Congressman Deutsch wants to tap me to be his successor in the Florida 22nd. You know, obviously, I'll have to talk it over with the family, everything. I may have some demands about, like, you know, the size of my office and everything. But mm-hmm. I'm willing to step up for the good of my country. That's what I'm hearing. Somebody is that, should, is that sure. you, know, you know, everybody wants me to replace Ted. I actually got the meanest email because somebody, uh, one of the listeners mm-hmm. sent me the article where he was retiring mm-hmm. and said something along the lines of, your show is cursed. You're the reason why he's gone. And I was like, that's so mean. I wrote this person back. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, we're not cursed. Like, once he got on, it's just the opposite. Once he got on Break the Business, he was like, and Alexander wept, for there are no worlds left to conquer. I've made it to Break the Business. There's nothing else I can accomplish in my life. And so he figured he'd leave Congress. That's what I think happened. Oh, my gosh. That's so sad. Okay, so now he talked to us about how much we should be campaigning for ourselves and reaching out to our uh, representatives and telling them what we want to see. So now what I'm hearing is we need all of our audience to write to them and say we need you in one of these positions because (laughs) I would never want to be in one of those positions, but I'd be thrilled to have you representing them. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways you already are. Um, But, yeah, we should definitely all step up in his memory That's not right. he's gone. memory geez <laughs> hey he will no longer be our representative so we're gonna have yeah. to remember those days well i would say this that the the op the the job is open for like official congressman of or congresswoman of this case may be of break the business all right I, i'm telling the other 434 <laughs> members of the u.s house out there Anybody else who wants to become our favorite member of Congress, like reach out, show us like what great piece of legislation you are sponsoring to champion the cause of indie creators. Because, you know, our our buddy Deutsch left us. My heart's broken. And there's a huge number of your constituents who are either indie creators themselves or fans of indie creators. And so if you uh, any of you congressmen out there um, or women, uh, you can step up and represent a huge amount of people who care about what they do because they're passionate about it and their passion will bleed over into your career. So, you know, support us. Exactly. Well, while this was going on, Lauren, a Mm -hmm. couple pieces of pretty interesting entertainment news that found its way into our lives over the past week. First from our friends at TikTok. TikTok recently announced that it's going to be increasing the maximum length that viewers can uh, of videos that viewers can upload to the platform from three minutes, which is what it was at, to now ten minutes. Whoa. And this comes at the heels of the platform's announcement back in July that they were increasing the maximum length from sixty seconds, yeah, to three minutes. That's what I thought. I mean, I'm, duh. but like I thought that was the whole thing on TikTok was like you get snippets, like you, Short videos, you can max size. out at a minute, right? But and and they give you your uh, your counts, your your status or whatever based on the length that people watch you. So it's like if they watch 10% of your video or 50% of your video or 100% of your video, you get credit for it. So if you make a 10-minute video, do people have to sit there and watch all 10 minutes of it before you get credit for them viewing your, your piece? Because... That's a lot of pressure on somebody to put a 10-minute video together in a world of I'm watching things for 15 seconds. Yeah, and TikTok has basically trained me to where, like, 
if you're throwing something at me that's three minutes long, it better be a damn masterpiece. Yeah. I <laughs> like feel it, terrible it's gotta be for out saying of this that, world, but, like... but Well, somebody once described this to me, and I thought it was the best comparison for what TikTok is. And I think you as a student of theater will really enjoy this comparison, Lauren. Mm -hmm. TikTok is the modern day vaudeville. <laughs> okay. A bunch of acts, like imagine like a vaudeville show, a bunch of acts in rapid succession, one after mm -hmm. another, mm -hmm. and you are in control of the hook, right? right? You can you can pull somebody off stage whenever you want, and all the acts are going to be different, right? Like one person's a singer, and the next one's a comedian, and the next person's a dancer, like a traditional vaudeville show. And, right. And so when you start throwing a 10-minute presentation in there out of nowhere, it really like, you know, breaks up the vaudeville pace. Yeah, I was going to say, who had a vaudeville performance that went on for 10 minutes? Yeah, you'd get the hook. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> how long was, you know, Abbott and Costello's bits or how long is, I mean, you can get into like the super long versions of Meatloaf's songs and you don't get up to 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> this is yeah. a long time. That, that is, a, well, and here's what TikTok is doing. Because if you're thinking to yourself, man, a 10 minute video, that sounds like YouTube. And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. TikTok is trying to compete with YouTube. And it's sort of something that's funny that's happening in the internet video world right now, where TikTok's trying to be YouTube. They're trying to increase the length of their videos and trying to capture some of that YouTube market. YouTube's doing the opposite. YouTube's trying to be TikTok. They've created YouTube shorts and they're trying to get some of those uh, people who like the smaller content. So really, there's this like, grand convergence theory yeah. where everybody's going after each other's things. But right. But he here's the thing is I've talked to folks at TikTok about this Ooh, okay. very much off the record, of course. <laughs> but you know, after after talking to these folks, after researching this, you have to understand where TikTok is coming from. They have grand ambitions. TikTok is not content to be, oh, we're the place where you watch silly videos or people dancing or Charlie D'Amelio, just one after another in little two-minute bite-sized chunks. These and, are valuable they, things. Yeah, they want, right, but that's not, the, but they want more than that. They want, they want to be the first thing that you think of in the video world, and they're doing that in two ways. They are horizontally integrating, which is a business term that means they're trying to be the only people in their industry, right? They're going after TikTok's, they're going after YouTube's share. They're going after other internet video services share. Pretty soon you might see them start making a play at uh, you know, content companies like Netflix or TV networks. Yeah. A TikTok TV might be coming. They want to be the number one video, you know, service. Like where you, know, you tune reaches in, customers. whatever it is. Right. right. Yeah. And so to make that happen, they are, and so like to do that, they have to start getting people accustomed to the idea of seeing videos longer than three minutes with TikTok. Mm -hmm. And Remember so that's part of it. Remember when we used to do 10 minute plays? Like that was a thing. You, yeah, you had to write 10 minute play. Well, 10 minute plays were a thing. I mean, one X could go up that's to true. 50 minutes, 60 minutes, but like there was a whole snippet. You'd have a night of 10 minute plays and everybody would do their 10 minute play. Uh, you know, in some ways, I'd be kind of interested to see what happens with that length. Are we going to get more storytelling as opposed to like, this is fun to look at. Watch my cat. Like, are we going to get, <laughs> sorry, are we going to get storylines? Are we going to start feeling things for people? Are you going to tell a half hour or an hour long story in 10 minute bits that kind of become episodic? Um, I don't know. It's uh, you're, you're, you're tuning me, me around. I like it. It's starting to remind me of Quibi. Do you remember Quibi? No. Exactly. I... <laughs> Nobody does. So like two or three years ago, it must have been, they somebody had the idea of like, we need to start a TV network, a streaming service with nothing but like 10-minute shows. Qu Quibi was a portmanteau. It stood for Quick Bites. Okay. And the idea was that like people... People didn't want to watch 30-minute shows or 42-minute shows. That people had busy lives, and sometimes they just wanted to sit down and watch something that was over in 10 minutes. Okay. So they tried to create a whole streaming service with nothing but 10-minute programs. And they got all these amazing actors and producers and you know content creators to make a bunch of 10-minute episode shows for this platform. They put a billion dollars into it, whoa. and it failed. It was gone whoa, in like a whoa, year or two, whoa. and nobody... Nobody even noticed it existed, and it was just like they just lit a billion dollars on fire. Wow. And so I'm not sure if, like, 10 minutes is the greatest length. I think people either want long stuff where they can sit around for a long time and eat popcorn, or they want to watch a bunch of quick videos and then be done with it. And I'm not so sure about the middle space, but 
TikTok, this is like TikTok's not stopping here, right? They want to be they want to be the only video service in the game. And they're not just doing that by expanding horizontally, right? They're also looking at vertical expansion in the sense that they are they are taking over the whole assembly line. So vertical integration or vertical expansion is imagine a business that uh you know sold cars like a car dealership, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones selling the car to the consumer. But imagine that 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 uh, car dealership also decided to become the company that made the cars and or the company that manufactured the parts like they they were being on all parts of the supply chain in the way that Tesla does, right? Mm -hmm. Tesla doesn't sell their cars through dealers. They make their own cars, they sell the cars. Mm -hmm. TikTok wants to do that. TikTok doesn't just want to be the place where you watch your videos. They want to be the place that makes the content. Okay, but see, now I have label. an issue. They want to be a, a producer. Mm -mm. Yeah, because see, now I'm getting mm -mm -mm about it because <laughs> TikTok is a home for indie creators. It's one of the places that has been created for you can create the content and put it out there. If their campaign is we want to get to a point where we're selling stories, like, eh, your platform is to allow other people to sell stories. And if you're trying to get to a place where people pay a subscription to watch the content you want them to watch, like you're kind of losing what you built and, and your uniqueness in the industry. I mean, we don't need another, like you said, YouTube, we don't need another Netflix. We need uh, something that is different. And, and TikTok has always been a space where people can create uh, things and make that creation available. I, I'd be very wary of a, of a company that then said, my goal is to take over because that basically says they're going to try to take over the indie creators that are building their fan base. Well, TikTok's perspective, and that, that, is, that is a legitimate fear, right? But I mean, think about YouTube's trajectory, right? YouTube just started off as we're just a place where people can upload their videos. And then they started to vertically integrate. They started creating their own television shows. Uh, Cobra Kai was a, a YouTube production and became like a big hit. Mm -hmm. And so they're they're and so it would not surprise me if uh, TikTok or its parent company ByteDance started creating its own content and putting it on the platform the same way. But but I can understand your concern of like, oh, are they going to stamp out the same creators that they said they were championing? Well, and I don't want them competing with them either. Like, hey, we created content with our billions of dollars that's going to have the viewers that tune into TikTok no longer tuning into you indie creators. They're going to be tuning into our big budget productions. And and I don't love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even know it was coming, but like, eh, yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and certainly as as advocates for indie creators, um, you know, that's that's something you we said they're going to be the record either. labels, and I don't particularly want another record label either. Well, like, I now I I should mention in TikTok's defense, like when I've heard them give these conversations about we're going to be the next record label, they are not looking at the current label model. And are like, yeah, let's emulate that, right? The they're next not trying to be. Of, right. They're not trying to be universal music. They 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 envision something more like we're going to create the platform for people to distribute their music. Like we're going to be a CD baby, right? And okay. then and then people can upload their music, and maybe we'll provide extra marketing resources or things like that. But we'll still give the independent creator some measure of control. But okay. it's gonna be it's it's gonna be interesting to see what how. What happened with their commercials, like? all right, I'm going to watch a, a two-minute TikTok video or a 10-minute TikTok video, and when that video breaks up, I'm going to watch advertisements for TikTok's content and not, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, but yeah, like that, that concerns me because when the platform that allows indie creators to create is creating their own content, they're basically becoming competition for their creators, and I see what's going to happen is and then we need a space for a TikTok to come up. So they're going to take on a new market and we're going to need a new platform to come up and make a space available to people who aren't trying to market their own product. And uh, and that could happen. I don't know. I definitely want to ask Bill about this when we bring them in after the break, because I think they're going to have a lot of insight about because Bill is a is a tech entrepreneur, works with a lot of tech companies, and I'm sure that Bill will have a a lot of insight on the idea of just companies needing to keep growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. It's like a shark right. that always has to swim. Right. And so I imagine that Bill could have some cool insight for us about what might be in TikTok's head. I'm excited. Considering that Bill is always around founders in their own right. <laughs> now, 
All right, let me let, before we bring Bill on and before we go to break, I want to talk about this uh, yet another piece of uh, entertainment law copyright news. Okay. You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. And some interesting law this week. Uh, Florida-based reggae act article sound system has sued pop star Dua Lipa, alleging that her 2020 hit Levitating infringed on their song Live Your Life. Why can't we go a damn week around here without somebody suing somebody for copyright infringement? First it was Taylor Swift, now it was Dua Lipa. Because it's successful and people are trying to do money grabs and oh yeah, it's working. (laughs) And again... I think my position on these kind of suits is already clear. I don't I don't love that artists are a target now more for these kind of infringement suits. I think even on like calls where you're not quite sure, like, oh, maybe this is infringement, maybe this isn't, we want to kind of lean on the side of not saying it's infringement because we want to encourage creativity in music. And if we have a world where songwriters are constantly looking over their shoulder, afraid that, oh, my God, did I write something that was in and had another song in the back of my head and now I'm going to get sued? Or, God forbid, errors and omissions insurance policies just because become so expensive because of all these lawsuits that nobody can afford to be in the business of creating anymore. That's the kind of stuff that scares me. And this seems like another example of it. Now, look, to be fair. It used to be a compliment. Yeah, imitation is a floor flattery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can if you if you go in the articles, you can listen to the two songs and there are some similar melodic elements like, the, you know, the, they have kind of a similar chord progression and groove, but generally chord progressions and grooves aren't protectable under copyright. There is a section of the song where the melodies sound kind of similar, but I could probably find 10 other songs that have that melody. But what makes this case interesting is one of the things that you have to be able to prove when making a copyright suit is you have to be able to prove what's called access. So it's not just enough to say, oh, this song is similar to my song. You have to be able to prove that Dua Lipa heard your song at some point, right? Mm -hmm. And for many copyright suits, that's easy to prove because if the original song was a massive hit, like uh, Paramore's Misery Business was with that Olivia Rodrigo case, it's easy to prove access. You say, oh, this song was everywhere. Of course, Olivia Rodrigo heard my song that came out back in 2007. In this case, this song, the song by Article Sound System, Live Your Life, was not particularly widespread. I think the band has like 230 followers on SoundCloud. This isn't a particularly massive, prestigious group. So the probability of being able to prove that Dua Lipo somehow heard this song and be able to prove it, you know, with a you know preponderance of evidence is not particularly strong, but again, this isn't a situation Unless where you necessarily... she was one of those 230 uh, people. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a damaging <laughs> fact? Uh, look, looking up the uh, SoundCloud followers, oh, shoot, there's Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah, at that point, you're, that's the end of that lawsuit. You lost. <laughs> but, you know, the other side of it, though, is like, you don't even necessarily have to prove it because all you have to be able to prove is that it's enough of a case that you can scare the other side into settling and you get a little payday. Maybe you get listed as a co-writer because you don't want to end up the next Robin Thicke blurred lines and lose millions of dollars right. in one of these copyright infringement suits. So it's a and it's, it's advertisement. I mean, yeah. like, yes, you want a quick money grab. And at the same time, people who didn't know who that person was, their sales are going to go from 230 to 500. I mean, it doesn't have to be a huge jump to be successful for them. I'm guessing the band's getting a lot more streams on their SoundCloud right now because every major media publication is putting the embedded SoundCloud song in there. Oh, listen for yourself. And then you make a lot of money. Here's what could have happened, okay? Okay. So, and, and this is, you know, an important thing for artists to understand. Like, it's entirely possible that, you know, if this song was if some if the pieces of this 2017 song found its way into levitating, Dua Lipa might have had nothing to do with it, right? Right. But Dua Lipa, like many artists, works with other creators, other mm-hmm. producers, other songwriters. Maybe a beat found its way from one song to another song to another song, and then it through a collaborator, found its way into levitating. That can happen all the time because of how collaborative the industry is. And the problem is, TikTok is, or not TikTok, copyright infringement is a strict liability offense. You can't say, oh, I didn't, I, it wasn't I didn't intend me. to it do was right. Yeah. right. 
And, you know, maybe you can bring them in as a as a co-defendant, right, and say, oh, no, this is actually your fault. But by then you've already been sued. And so the lesson for indie artists in something like this is make sure you under, you know, that you have clean title with every everyone you're working with. All right. The people that you're working with, they need to sign something saying that the work that they're providing is completely 100 percent original. They should indemnify you. Ideally, they should have their own insurance policy to uh, defend against these lawsuits. But even if they don't, I then get to go back to my piece of advice every time we have one of these lawsuits. Get your own errors and omissions insurance policy. All right, it's becoming more and more important because these lawsuits are becoming more and more frequent. We're literally doing one of these a week at this point. Go go find a policy that's going to cover this. They'll cover your legal defense. And especially if you're signed to a record label, definitely get this policy because every record deal has what's called an indemnification clause okay. that says where you're saying to the record deal, the record label, I affirm record label that all the material and all of my songs that I'm giving you are completely okay to use. And you're not going to get, and I promise that you will not get sued for copyright infringement record label. And then the next paragraph says, and if you do, in fact, I'm so sure you're not going to get sued record label that if you do get sued, I'll pay all your damages and I'll pay all your legal fees in the lawsuit. And that's called an indemnification. That's a very risky a thing to put on the line. And so if you're a early career artist that, you know, doesn't have any money and the label gets sued for copyright infringement, can you possibly afford to cover that indemnification? Obviously not. So you get an E&O insurance policy so that in the event that this happens, you have an insurance company that's going to cover those legal fees for you and for the label that you've indemnified. Can I be like a super bad guy right now? Because sure. I'm, I'm hearing the lesson that you're saying indie creators should learn from this, and you're absolutely giving great advice. But what I'm hearing is if you're an indie creator out there and you can find a common thread between you and anything that's successful, it's a great advertising mechanism, it's a great uh, <laughs> PR campaign, and it's a great money grab for what you're doing. You know, create as much content as you possibly can, and then you have a huge portfolio to pull from when you find something that matches what you do. And I don't want to advocate for that, but in theory, in theory, if that's not something we want to see happen, they need to do something to protect artists that exists without the artists themselves having to go through all this money and protection. Because if they don't, you're going to get more and more and more indie creators going after everybody because it's working. Yeah. Floodgates are opening. Well, two, two things with what you're saying here. First of all, <laughs> what you are advocating sounds like a really good way to make sure that nobody in the music industry ever works with you. Because well, if I'm you become that I particular it, litigant, but like yeah. out there, you know, we're, we're saying protect yourself, protect yourself. And there are plenty of people hearing protect yourself, protect yourself. And there are plenty of people hearing, haha, look how many people aren't protecting themselves. And what can I do? And uh, you're in a world where it's scrappy and it's really hard to achieve success. And You've got somebody who went from 230 views to having the link to their song posted everywhere. <laughs> it's a crappy way to get publicity. I even know some artists who have uh, musicologists on retainer who will, when you create, when you send them songs, uh, you know, the musicologist will check it against like previous recordings and things like that. How about that? A, a, a brand new uh, revenue stream for all the musicologists out there. All those, yeah. all those. A musicologist whose parents said, what are you going to do with that degree? Be like, I just got a job with Dua Lipa. How about that? Okay, so uh, to go against myself here, because I <laughs> do this all the time. Why do um, I even need to be here? You can just argue with yourself. Debate myself. I will state that even though it seems like a good idea and it may be successful in the short term, just like Ryan said, this is not a long-term gain. Uh, you you can earn just as many enemies as you can in short-term success. So, you know, what seems like an easy grab and an easy PR stunt uh, may destroy your career in the long run. So even though it might sound easy, don't do it. Thank just you. don't. Good way I to end this segment. Way to bring it back around. Let's take a quick break, and we're going to bring uh, Bill down upright Bolden right here on Break the Business. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Corella here. 
I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm, RKPA, does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Carella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. We're on Facebook Live, we're on Twitter Live, we're on Twitch, we are on YouTube Live, we're on all major podcast platforms, and always happy to be on Sirius XM channel 145 go slam radio and go to our next guest one of my favorite favorite indie creators just am just enamored with this person <laughs> our guest is a buffalo-based edm producer dj and tech entrepreneur known artistically as down upright their latest mm-hmm. ep click here to prove you are not a robot launched on february 2nd and is available now on all major streaming platforms you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting soundcloud.com slash down upright we are happy to welcome bill bolton on to break the business hi bill hello how's it going it is so so good it is a marvel to see you i hope you were not just distracted by the ridiculous clothes i'm wearing uh, hey i'm i'm wearing my uh th- well this was my punk battle jacket for a while but somebody pointed out that it's kind of like the uh hundred pieces of flare vest from office space (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to like track them all i'm like all right how many references in here oh there's a there's a bunch on the back and stuff too but i'm not turning around on camera oh bummer that was gonna be my next question i know it's a very cool jacket bill before we get into just talking about all the great stuff that you're doing, because I, I really want to give the viewers and listeners a chance just to hear about kind of your approach to creating art, because it's one of my favorite approaches of all the indie creators I've talked to. I'd love to get you in on a conversation we were having in the previous segment, because you work with a lot of founders. You work with a lot of tech entrepreneurs. And so I'm wondering if you could give us some of insight on just what you think ByteDance and TikTok are doing by expanding the length of their videos to 10 minutes. It looks like they're trying to go after YouTube's market share, maybe get into like the label business. Is it just this idea that like tech companies, especially when they reach scale, just need to keep expanding? They, they're a shark that has to keep swimming? It really is that. Um, shareholders demand uh, mm. demand continuous expansion. And uh, you can never come back and say, we did it. We made the best TikTok we possibly could. It is perfect at being TikTok. They would say, what's next? How are you going to 10x this? And so um, it becomes a question of TAM or total addressable market, which is the total market size you could reach if everyone was to use your product. And they have already dominated the TAM for attention space in short form video. There is nowhere left to grow. So they can no longer grow by refining their product. They have to grow by refining their market. And uh, the next step is 
making a bigger market. Um, especially one of the things that I've noticed is a change in TikTok. And full disclosure, despite being an indie creator, I am not on TikTok. I have, uh, I'm pretty sure I have undiagnosed ADHD, so I just don't like where this road leads. <laughs> um, I, I hear that TikTok is very bad for one's attention span. Um, I'm not interested in finding out firsthand. Uh, it's probably a but, better way to live your life. I'm already uh, caught I, into it, but you know, save yourself. That's why yeah. I've avoided it. Like my ADHD, I'm like, I can't. Once I start, I'll be stuck. Yeah, like I, this story only ends one way for me. But um, <laughs> I, uh, one thing I've noticed because I see TikToks bleed into Twitter and Facebook, uh, the social media networks I do use. People post TikToks they're seeing all the time, and I remember it used to be like, watch this dog slam dunk a basketball, watch this person doing a cool lip sync, and now I'm seeing a lot more um political and long form activity since they moved to three months or three three, three minutes. Um, three months segments. is the next announcement. <laughs> yeah, three months is the next announcement. But I think they're starting to get a lot of um real dialogue and it's not just watch this dog dunk a basketball anymore. So um Ten minutes seems like the next logical step, uh, especially if they want to start hosting more like YouTube's long form. I mean, you can go on YouTube to find somebody talking about any topic you like for an hour and a half. They'll go hard on it. Um, yeah. And so I think that uh, what they're doing is not growing their product any longer. They're growing the size of their market. Mm, okay wow okay yeah that 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 makes sense and by the way like the moment you said tam you just like I, you just seem just like a wash of impressed go over lauren's face <laughs> fancy like, word yeah. once once the tam showed up she's like oh this is okay clearly clearly our guest knows what the hell they're talking about all right <laughs> i i, I rarely see stars. lauren impressed on this program Bro, you had big words and acronyms and i'm like wow <laughs> shiny well lauren you've never met bill right no okay so i, I want to give you lots of reasons to be impressed by bill bill as i said in the other intro, than the jacket other than the jacket all right bill's one of my favorite indie creators lauren bill does these really big ambitious music projects uh he uh, uh bill once did a project where they set up this really grand thing where every single person who contributed to the Kickstarter got their own unique copy of a music project and made like thousands of different copies. They've done uh, narratives before, like bringing in voice actors and things like this, telling a story with the music. It's always these cool, ambitious projects, and it's never the same Sounds project like a twice. a lot of work for them, too. Jeez, <laughs> like... Well, no easy task we're gonna sit here and make a thousand well, different copies I i'm curious about all this bill what drives you in the creation of your art how do you pick the projects that you do and and you know why don't you just make a damn three minute pop song <laughs> well click here to prove you are not a robot is just some three minute pop song that's true this, this this one is uh, and, uh i enjoyed it it was good stuff oh excellent glad yeah. to hear it uh but um, really, I'm just out here trying to have fun. And the truth is, is that I'm a programmer and an engineer at heart. Um, and so the idea of making a programmatically generated album, well, I'm not, it has been done before in academia, but doing it with that music to die alone in space to concept, um, where it has such a strong narrative and you get to choose your voice actor, choose your language, and then the album is regenerated for you with your choice of voice actor and language um, into your own unique copy. Uh, it was a really fun engineering challenge, coding the algorithms that could generate one copy of each track. Um, and like, I'm, I'm just in this, it's cool when I make money and it's cool when I get an audience, but I, uh, I'm here to have fun and it was a blast. It sounds like you're driven more by the process than the product, almost. Like, Yeah, the way that I um, do my releases now is, uh, for a while there, after I went to production school and leveled up my production skills, I was just putting out lots of singles to try and refine my new producing process. But now that I'm into doing long-form releases again, um, I choose a sound and try to sculpt 
like a vision um and then work backwards from that so like click here to prove you are not a robot was never supposed to be like three new different tracks it is one sound the the hyper distorted ultra hard heavily processed hyper pop sound executed across three tracks and then remixed eight and times. then done in different ways yeah the, yeah the cool remixes um, and stuff so that you're going to be seeing that from me a lot more now where there's going to be these releases where i'm like what if there was an album that sounded like eight bit goth or something and i'll i'll, I'll just pick a thing engineer backwards from it and be like here this is that album it's it's fun the process is actually the process is what i love so I, i'll tell you and what you're I'm challenging working on yourself like you give yourself a task and a mission you yeah. create it but like you're you're challenging yourself which is really cool uh my current jam is um i am tired of waiting for the opportunity to score a film or a video game to arrive in my lap organically. Mm -hmm. So I'm deciding to manifest it by, um, I'm currently several tracks into making a video game soundtrack to nothing. Uh, just a full orchestral score, main theme, different characters' themes, um, battle music, the whole spiel, and it just doesn't go to any video game. But I can just point to it and say, like, if you wanted to make a video game, here it is. It's waiting for it. And That's see awesome. what happens. And then your next challenge is to make the video game. Like I, I, Which also plays into my skill set. Well, that's what there I was going to say. If you do coding and stuff, if you get excited enough about your music, who better to do it than you? <laughs> that would be a whole new skill set to take on. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think if there's a way to... Uh, to turn this into a Kickstarter or something, but I think it's best done as just a orchestral symphonic album. It's I'm glad that Lauren brought up the coding work that you do because I haven't come across too many musician producers who also do a lot of the programming and coding and, and work with startups. I know they're out there, but we don't come across too many of them, but we are certainly no stranger to indie creators who have some other big important thing that they're passionate about. So I want to ask you, how do you balance those two sides of your life? Do you do you try to so, sort of separate them just temporally and conceptually each day, or do you let them blend together? I really let them blend together. So uh, some visual aids here for people who are listening to this in the podcast form um, and not in the video form. But behind me is my workstation, and I am sitting at my um, music computer. So I spend all day working there, and whenever I have 20 minutes between meetings, I turn the chair around, Spin it around, come back to this computer, and work on like 20 minutes of music, just maybe develop one new melody or one new track. It's what I do to fill in the time. That and play Magic the Gathering Arena. <laughs> um, <laughs> Does, that kind of trend Does it like reset your brain so you're like it's I a hit really that good button? palate cleanser. Yeah. So, side note, I just want to join in our fans saying, we love you, Bill. Ah. <laughs> that's, Bill brought, that's Bill brought a cheering section. Hey! We like her, too. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's, it's, it's almost sort of like a, like a twist on the Pomodoro technique, you know? Bill plugs away on some coding project for a while, but then, like, spins around and does the creative thing to kind of, reset everything and to, to re-motivate them and then go right back into work again. I, I, I dig this. Yeah, it's like a palate cleanser. Yeah. Five minutes of tinkering with a beat, and then I leave before I get tired ears. I'd yeah. like to bend your ear uh, on more startup and tech stuff because I don't know enough about this stuff, and I need to talk to somebody who does. We've been talking a lot about NFTs the last few weeks and NFTs and music, and we've had people explain to us what NFTs are. We've talked a lot about some of these NFT scam sites that have proliferated where basically you just have websites that are taking artists' intellectual property, whether it's their music, their trademarks, their likenesses, and using them to say you can get NFTs of this material and they don't get the artist's permission. So, like, I hear two camps where it's like NFTs are the future of the music industry. They're going to save indie creators, and then NFTs are a menace. They're a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
Where do you feel about NFTs in the music business? Where do you stand on its potential? This is a great uh, this is a great topic because I am torn between two worlds. The startup and engineer half of me essentially let me position it as two social networks. Uh-huh. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. And when I'm on LinkedIn, everything is NFTs and NFTs are the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, my startup is doing NFTs of your your mortgage is now an NFT. Mm-hmm. And we just raised five and a half million dollars and we haven't even built the product yet. Mm-hmm. And um, on Twitter, somebody says big announcement coming tomorrow and people are writing in. Oh, dear God, don't let it be NFTs. Please don't do an (laughs) NFT. Please don't do an NFT. It's just such a different vibe on the two sites. So I sat this one out because I like to have all the information before I make a decision. And I started as being interested in NFTs because I thought they could get indie creators paid. Right. Um, And that's really all I care about is indie creators getting paid. So by that metric, really what I should care about is if in the end, indie creators have been getting paid. And what I've come to see is that indie creators are not getting paid. They are in practice getting ripped off and pirated more than they are being benefited. Mm. So um, the, the number of indie artists that I'm friends with who have made a big payday on an NFT is zero. The number of indie artists... Mm. I've had that have had their music stolen to make NFTs is somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. Right. Um, so I, I, I have a, more to say on this, but short version, I'm in this for the practical impact it's having on the environment. Once indie creators truly start making bank on NFTs, I'll be there to cheer them on, but it isn't happening yet. You know, even the woman who drew all the apes is uh, not getting paid for her work. The only artist I can think of when you were talking about what artist is, you know, succeeding in this environment. The only one I can think of is the, is the person who made the theme song for this podcast. Yeah. Jonathan Mann. I don't, I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with Jonathan's NFT project that he's doing with all of his songs? Uh, No. So it's pretty interesting. So uh, Jonathan Mann is the Guinness World Record holder for most consecutive days writing a song. He's written a, a new song every day for like the last 4,400 days or something like that and decided to uh, take all of his songs and uh, transfer the copyrights to a decentralized autonomous organization and then sell the NFTs of each of those songs to fans who can then be part of this decentralized autonomous organization and potentially have an interest in the in the copyrights of all the works that are being created. And I mean, he's selling each of these songs for what was it like? They all sold. I think it started at what it was all Ethereum, but it converted to like $800 a piece for a song when it first launched. And he sold out in less than a day. And you can, and you multiply that by 4,000. That's, that's real money there. (laughs) But if you were asking me like, what's the only, who's the only, who are the artists that are benefiting? Like that's the first one that, that can, that comes off the top of my head that isn't just, you know, a big-time chart-topping artist who was already successful. So if I can go next level on this. Um, and we want you to. Please. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I I have talked to a lot of uh, NFT enthusiasts, and what I'm coming down on right now is that I think the, the people who really want NFTs to happen are uh, – how do I put this? VC class. Yeah, capital. <laughs> yeah. It's capital mm-hmm. that wants NFTs to happen because it gives them another source of income. Mm-hmm. I have not really, truly, except for um, some idealistic wave riders, I have not met the large class of fans that is interested in NFTs as they are currently presented. Right. There, there is a future for some applications of nfts like uh your mortgage being on the blockchain or something it has a lot of applications as a distributed database it really does uh it can do cool things but the current status of an nft as being according to this plaque on this chain 
that's my ape. Um, to point at a thing and just be like, that's my Jonathan Mann song. I have not encountered that as a market force that is generating demand. Maybe in small amounts, there mm -hmm. are 10,000 people who are interested in this. But uh, the market is not asking for it. Capital is asking for it to be imposed on the market. Folks, that Bill, is what I'm seeing so far. Bill has brilliant insight, and that brilliance so frequently finds a way into their music. I encourage you to check out soundcloud.com slash downupright. Check out the latest EP. Click here to prove you are not a robot. It is, it is awesome. It's super creative, like everything that Bill does. I encourage you all to check it out. Before we let you go, Bill, and every time you stop by is a treat, and this one is no exception, I do want to get our last question out of you. I have okay. one question before we get to oh, the last okay. question. Uh, Just because it's driving me bananas, but what scent is the candle that's behind you? This is a personal oh, thing. Oh, let's see. Like, this is... You're going to interrupt the final question for a scented candle question? Well, I didn't want to it ask the question after the final sweater. question. Are you kidding? Wait, ugly sweater? Snuggly sweater. Oh, snuggly sweater. Okay, that makes me snuggly happy. Snuggly okay. sweeter. Now you may ask the Lauren! question. <laughs> this is the final question. It's sort of an important staple of this program. You threw off the river, the rhythm for scented candle talk, which, by the way, is only a play for the people watching the live stream. No, we the radio all know audience what can't feel. see the scented candle. Audio-wise, we all know. It's like it's one of our senses. We might just be hearing, Theater but now we're mind. all feeling our comfy sweater. New startup idea. Why can you not smell a podcast? Right? <laughs> Here, and that's why this is even more frustrating, is even the people who can visually see the scented candle still don't get the full scented candle experience because they can't smell it. They were so, thinking This it. is for nobody. It's for me. It is a nice-looking candle, though. Bill. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, yeah, be creative. Um, think about your process. It's, uh, it's fun to come up with a new process and then execute on it. You learn a lot that way, and it's easier than having to start from a blank slate every time you open up ableton and stare at that empty screen saying what will i make today the categories are limitless but restrictions breed creativity and so when you hone in on something you have a chance to refine your execution which is a valuable skill and lately i've just been having a blast with that i always get a lot smarter every time i get the chance to talk to you bill Please don't be a stranger. We we want to have you on again as many times as you are willing to uh, put up with our silliness. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I can't believe you've never met Bill before, Lauren. Well, you never introduced me, so well, I blame I'm, you. I'm sorry, but I'm glad that I got to introduce you and some of the new podcast listeners uh, to Bill. And you know, a lot of people know... The people who've been with Break the Business since the beginning, they know Bill, but now we have new people and they get to know him. So that's always great. Speaking of Break the Business guests, I'll close with this little nugget. Okay. So I had a Break the Business guest sighting while I was watching Netflix just before the show. Ooh, do tell. Um, our friend Chris Gethard was on, is on Space Force, uh, really? the, the new Steve Carell show. And it was the weirdest thing because he, he was on screen and he, and he had some dialogue and I didn't recognize him right away. It was one of those things where it's like, who is, I know, I know you from somewhere, <laughs> like, but not just like from another show. Like, I know you, like I've had a conversation with you and I'm thinking like, is this somebody like I met at a conference or something? And then like, I looked, I was like, oh shoot, that's Chris Gethard. I have had a conversation with that person. That's, oh, that's oh, awesome. Go him. Yay. Yeah, I'm that. round of applause because I'm proud of him. Chris Gether. It, it must have been the, the break the business bump. Why much not? how much how Congressman Deutsch parlayed his break the business appearance into a sweet gig heading up the American Jewish Committee. Chris Gethard parlayed his break the business exper uh, experience uh, getting on Space Force, even though. He probably shot Space Force like six months before he came on our show, but we don't need to worry and about that. And why didn't he tell about it anyway? That's, that's right. I, I would have Keep an eye on that. Netflix. You're going to see me. No, nothing. <laughs> that's right. Nothing. 
my thanks to you, Lauren, for getting us through this show this week. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. thank you for wearing the outfit the whole show. Yes. Yes. Our thanks to Bill Bolden for joining us. What a treat. And my thanks to all of you for joining us here on Break the Business. Be sure to check out Star Trek Picard Season 2 premiering. It's going to be a blast. Thank you all. See you all next week on Break the Business.